And now the Super Bowl is set. Chris Sims is in his home kitchen. Fendrick and myself are in Bleacher Report. Patriots, Rams, the rematch. Sims, how are the games? What's up? How you doing? I'm I'll sorry I didn't come in. I mean, it's Martin Luther King Day, and once I saw the train schedules and everything, he comes out right away. Kid, yeah, the kids. Yeah, no, all the trains are forever. There's it's no express trains. Seven degrees in New York. My nose hairs were freezing together. It is. It's unbelievable. My kids are home from school, so. Once I started to piece that together, I'm sorry to pull the uh, I'm going to stay at home yeah, card. But... Yep, just Josh and me coming in, doing the damn thing. Uh, well, first, where do you want to start? Rams, Saints, or Patriots, Chiefs? Yeah, I mean, I guess let's start with uh, the Rams, the Rams, Saints. Right? Right, what, was mean, your, what was your watch set up? How did you watch the game? Oh, I mean, I watched um, just right here in my in my family room. Didn't even sit on the cloud. We actually made a fire. Danielle oh. had some uh, chips and queso oh, going. I love queso. That would have been so great. I know. It would have been if you were here, but you weren't invited, so sorry. <laughs> I, was watching, I was watching at Josh's place with my brother. That's awesome. You guys had a good time? Oh, uh, well... I will say, we'll just start off then, I guess, with Saints-Rams, that my uh, everyone knows my heel turn towards the Saints fans, and I'm not going to dive into that just yet. But right. when they went up 13 nothing, combined, what was it, 13 nothing? Yeah, 13 nothing in the first quarter. But combined with the pick early and all that, and how loud the stadium was, yes. I, I was just, I was going, I can't believe I picked the Rams. Like, what a dumb decision. And you were texting about the whistles. It turned into a full-blown investigation on Twitter where Mike Tirico had to chime in and said that he hung out with the whistle guy before and he has a God-given ability to make a piercing whistle. But I know I was distracted almost the entire game. Oh, I mean, without a doubt. I mean, I'm not even joking you. Uh, I would say five out of the first ten plays of the game, I thought they were about to stop. Like, Mm. I didn't think the play was going to go ahead. I I was hearing whistles, like, right around the time of the snap. You could tell that there was an extra emphasis on that whistle. Who was ever in the crowd was hoping to make that happen. I've been in this situation, first of all, in Seattle one year. I can't remember what season it was. I want to say it was the opening game of the 2007 season I was not playing because I was still with my spleen injury Mm. but there was a whistle in the stands in the first few rows of the Seattle Seahawks game and they were blowing on us early and they blew it on us to the point where our punter stopped in the middle of a punt one time yes and the referees were smart enough to realize at that time that there was a whistle in the crowd and they let us redo it but the game was going to be lost. They, I believe, scored on the first drive. Now we got the ball back, and oh, we went three we? and out. You're saying we for the Rams. I love well, that. No, I was saying we for the Buccaneers and oh, this, for oh, the oh, sorry, Seattle sorry. Seahawks thing, yeah. right? And just explaining that. And now here we are going to punt the ball. And, look, and then you think, oh, my gosh, they, they blocked the punt, and here we go, and we're going to get blown out of the stadium. But, no, the whistle was there, and that was an issue. So that drove me crazy. But – I think the big thing is, like you said, Lefko, about the game. I mean, I had the same of the same thoughts. I said, you know, damn, Chris. I mean, X's and O's are great, and watching film is great, but you forgot about that, you know, McVay is still six years younger than you, and uh, their quarterback's young, and their running back's young, and they haven't been in this 
um, environment before. That was my first thought of the game early, is that the Rams were so flustered yes. by the crowd noise in the moment. Sean McVay, at the end of the first quarter, they're going to run a play at the end of the first quarter, and the referee tells them that the quarter's about to end, and he looks up at the clock and go, and then you could tell he tells uh, Goff to say, oh, let the quarter run out. Let the, so that just shows you that the environment was overwhelmingly loud and crazy, that even like a McVeigh was uh, overwhelmed at that point. But, you know, you know to just to, to breathe on that topic too more, left go like, Call a timeout on the fourth down when your defense jumps outside. You know, gather your team. These mm. are young players. You know, there's a third and seven uh, with golf, and they're snapping the ball with one second left on the play clock in the first quarter. Call a timeout. It's the first quarter. Gather your team's composure. Get everybody's, you know, emotions and heads in check before you dig yourself too deep in a hole. But ultimately, their defense saved them, Lefko. I mean, saved them. Save them. And then – Big balls, Sean McVay. I mean, grapefruits calling that fake punt changed the game, just like it changed the I game for the that. Saints I, against your Eagles. I call like I was in Josh's living room and went, "Here's the fake." Like I know that I know that it's it is a big balls move to do that when he did it, but if he didn't do it, I would have been more upset. Gosh, I, I mean, I just come didn't, on, I man. Didn't it's Rams it. Saints second quarter. You're down thirteen nothing, and you're punting. You know, if that's not the time to do it, there is never a time to do it. Well, I mean, the game's over if they don't. They're going to get blown out of the gym. I, I mean, just think I think that the same people that were upset with Sean McVay that he kicked the field goal at the end were the ones right. that were like, oh, yeah, you got to do the fake punt there. Like, I, I don't know. I, I You cannot give that ball back to the Saints. So it was a big play. But also, I mean, Johnny Hecker is better than – one starting no i'm just kidding but that man can yeah, well, throw yeah. that man can he throw might be, he might be a better throw left go it's okay hold I know on where you're going Seri- with that. serious be, serious question he, he he can throw a better spiral i know that i got a but, 10 yard hold on i got a 10 yard out and i got bortles and i got hecker who's getting it there better be i'm being dead serious I mean, I I really think Hecker is going to get it there better. Like, this is not hyperbole. Yeah. The way he no, threw that ball was no. I, went, I know. I can't believe no. we're going down this road right now. But yes, look, man, I'm we we stand up for punters. Yeah, well, they got it. Like, well, Hecker does. Even even like okay, like you might have called it, Sorry, and seen Blake. it happen, and that's that's kudos to you because I certainly like was like, oh my gosh, like this is trouble. But I think the big thing I you know took from that play with the fake punt too is I, I've never really seen that play where it's like we're going to trust our punter punter to throw like a fade stop out on the outside like it wasn't even like they ran like a real route like yes. fake the go route put your foot in the ground and come back to the ball that was what was impressive out of the fact right left go where the Rams were their defense was on the field the whole first quarter. So to me, yes. that was the other big. You had to save your the... defense. I thought what was yeah. incredible that pass exactly. was the longest pass for the Rams for nearly the entire half. That twelve-yard pass by Hecker. Yeah, that was that's incredible. That's incredible. But I did think that was a huge moment in the game, and at least uh, gave changed the momentum and gave the Rams a fighting chance from that point on. One, everyone was calling C.J. Anderson the fat running back, and I'm going to be very right. honest. I didn't realize he was that chunky. Like not not until the game started going, where I was like, "This man's doing this for chubby dudes everywhere." And let me yes. just confirm for everybody: chubby dudes are the best dudes. Just saying. Chub- yep, 
Uh, that, are you are you jumping in that? Are you saying I, you're a chubby dude as well? I went to the gym today and I almost vomited. Oh, yeah, yeah it hurt. A but lot. he really is reminding me of uh, who's the guy I'm thinking of on you know the Panthers that was there. C.J. Anderson. CJ, yeah, the, <laughs> he he fumbled. No, he fumbled. Jonathan in the Super Stewart. Bowl. Nope. The other was another guy we're missing. I'm driving me crazy. He oh, it's a Tolbert. Mike Tolbert. Uh, yeah, was it Tolbert? Is that what it is? Yes, he fumbled. It's like that similar body, low gravity, can bounce off hits, uh, and always makes the pile move. But, yeah, I mean, left go. I mean, there's obviously something wrong with Todd Gurley because he doesn't even seem upset with That's his role right now. That's what I'm saying. He was on the sideline, and he and I was wondering if you could tell. The way he was swinging his leg, what was he trying to loosen up? Is it a hip flexor? I, I, yeah, hip, hamstring, maybe everything altogether. I don't know, but I am a little concerned with Todd Gurley. Just He's because, got two uh, weeks now, though. Yeah, yes, he does have two weeks, so hopefully that'll help him. But I just hope there's nothing long-term. I mean, it's sounding like this is something he's going to have to deal with, that there's mm. a constant fluid buildup in his knee. And I just hope it's not bone-on-bone bone and he's something he's going to have to get microfracture oh. surgery with. But, like, regardless, though, Lefko. The defense saved the freaking game for the Rams. Not Which only on that. Yeah, well, I mean, early on, the, 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 this is where my big theme for the game would be this, and any coach would say this, when you don't put a team away or you have a chance to put a team away, well, you know, then you leave it into the hands of the refs sometimes, and sometimes oh. they fuck you over. You know what I mean? I don't want to get into that just yet right. um, I, with the referees. The... I, let, let's talk first just to like player by player and, and how you thought they did. Kamara, yeah. I think Kamara is the best weapon in the NFL. He's up there. I mean, he's certainly an awesome football player. He's, he's, in a, he's an awesome football player that, you know, again, it's a Sean Payton, Sean Payton offense where, you know, they know how to move him around perfectly for Sean Payton. I've been in that offense, of course, with John Gruden. They have more of a playbook for the tailback coming out of the backfield than most teams in football as far as getting them the football, that type of player. Mm. All right, I can't wait anymore. I want to talk about the play, the pass interference. It was – it was – well, hold on, let me hear your thoughts. Yeah, well, my thought is this, first of all. They obviously blew the play. We know that. It was pass interference. Now, I will say I think it's more bang-bang than we're all going to get credit for because now we've all watched it in super, super slow motion. And I do think some of the other angles – that we see, if you just watch it from the exact sideline version, the TV version, you know, from the sideline cut, it is a little a lot more bang bang than when they show the end zone with the guy right on the field version or the other, you know, on the field look that they have shown where, yeah, okay, it's in super slow motion. It's obviously pass interference. We know that. I get it. That was a missed call by the, 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 uh, the referees. There's no other way around that. Now, you know, at the same time, you know, uh, just to talk about the X's and O's part, man, Nickel Roby Coleman should have intercepted that. That's just one thing to say there. He fell. Lamarcus, yeah, I mean, he was he was there. He was confused before the snap, so that messed up the the play in general. Um, there's so many things to talk about off of this play, though. I think so. Yes, they blew that opportunity, and I understand that, and that certainly they should feel screwed uh, this day and age. But I'm not going to be sit here and say like that's the only thing that dictated the game, or that's the only thing that uh, the referees influenced the game. You know, I, I don't want, I'm not going to sit here and stand for 
oh, legacies were changed. Because McVeigh and Goff's legacy was almost changed the drive before when Goff was face-masked on the play he scrambled on, which would have been first and goal at the one, but it wasn't. So then they didn't get the touchdown and had to kick a field goal. So, again, that, that gets lost in the shuffle. I'm just saying, yes, this is a tough break for them, but tough breaks happen all the time in football. It's just unfortunate that this happened in the NFC Championship game in one of the big moments. And let me just wrap it up with this thought, too, Lefko, just as we're on this, because there's more I, we, we're going to talk about the game. But, you know, I, I, I of course, I, I was amazed with how well Drew Brees handled it. He was a true professional after the game. So was Sean Payton. I mean, they really could have gone, you know, off the edge and, and, you know, motherfucked the whole NFL and the referees and really gone ham on them. Drew Brees, I thought, was unbelievable as a role model, just saying, you know, hey, of course this is tough to swallow, but you get breaks during the year or other things happen. It's just weird that it happened in this moment. And this is where I'm wrapping it up, Lefko. I come home. My little boy is watching YouTube highlights of the games yesterday. Then I come back in about three minutes later, and he's watching YouTube highlights of Pittsburgh Saints. And they're showing the two horrible pass interference calls that were called on the Pittsburgh Steelers against the New Orleans Saints. Mm. I just thought it was funny and ironic to go, damn, maybe that was like the bad football karma. I know that's not going to lessen the taste and the bad taste and the uh, Saints fans' mouths or anything like that. But uh, it is just one of those things I look at. And, of course, to add to that moment, too, if Sean Payton just ran the ball on first down and ran the ball on second down and ran the ball on third down, the Rams would have got the ball back with about 37, 35, 40 Mm. seconds left in the football game and not been able to do it. But because he made that mistake, it also leads to now you've left the game into the referee's hands where they clearly blew the call. I understand that. The NFL needs to make a statement. Um, But I'm not going to sit here and just say that one play dictated the whole game. I understand it's easy to do that because we can quantify it with time and the field goal. But there's other calls and other plays along the way where we could certainly say, no, this also dictated the football game in, in a lot of different directions. So Sorry I to see, blabber. No, no, I see. So what you're saying is first and ten, Drew Brees throws incomplete short to Michael Thomas. And yeah. then second and ten, uh, run for no game for Kamara, and then the pass. Right. And what's interesting right. is is L.A. didn't even have to get off yeah. a timeout because why didn't New Orleans take a timeout with 155? Uh, um, what, what do you mean? New Orleans take a timeout with one fifty-five when they had the ball? You mean? Oh, you know what? It's just wrong in NFL. Jesus, L- L.A. Oh, took gotcha. their two timeouts. Yeah, that was just. A, I was wondering why that happened. Um, League has said they're not going to issue a statement. That was a pro football talk scoop this morning that they're not going to talk about about it. the pass interference. About the pass interference. Yeah, I did see okay. that the NFL plans to study making it possibly reviewable. But then again, people right. are going to go. What about the Jared Goff face mask? Um, I'm going to be honest. I didn't see any pass interference. I saw really good coverage from Nikel Roby Coleman shutting down the Saints when they really could have put the game away. And I think it's it's incredible now that in the last two years, the the Minnesota miracle, you know, this I guess I don't know, I didn't see it. This missed pass interference. And the Saints are just they don't even get to taste the Super Bowl. Like, that's the thing that's incredible is the fact that they're sitting there as the number one seed. You know, it's the first time 
in 48 years that two number one seeds lost in the championship game. And I just, wow. I am just emotional for the Saints. I You're mean, such a jerk. For those fans to go through such an incredible year, and it just felt the whole time that they were going to win. I just feel Maybe awful. Maybe it was the I feel of the guy, the guy that said he was going to stab you. Maybe karma came back to get him. Well, we have a new update in the clubhouse. Uh, let me go right. and check my Twitter mentions uh, uh, for other people that have come at me. Uh, well, you look at that, too. Lefko, just so I could clarify for people listening out there, the Saints did call the timeout after that incompletion, but it was because they were going to – the clock was oh, stopped, gotcha. remember? And they were going to go to a delay a game, and they had to call a timeout, if you, if you remember correctly. Here, then John. they ran the ball on second down, and the Rams called a timeout, and then, of course, third down was the controversial no pass interference call, which despite Lefko being an agitator and a shit starter, was pass interference call, but um, yeah. you're, you're a jerk to Saints fans. You're rubbing All right, it in. Josh, read this tweet. NOLA sportsfan88 at NRG underscore 314 at Adam Lefko. Name the time and place, dad bod. Promise I'll cave your face in. Ooh, so the new leader in the clubhouse is a guy saying that he's going to cave my face in. But I'm going to be honest. Knows your body well. The part that upset me the most is that he referred to me as a dad bod. You don't know me like that. To be <laughs> Tony sad. Romo bod is different than a dad bod. Yeah, I'm, gonna, a I, I'm, bod. I'm only kidding. That was blatant pass interference. I couldn't believe it happened. Sean Payton took off his trendy clear glasses to yell at the ref. By the way, I almost bought glasses like that, and then I right. saw a, like a hipster in Brooklyn wearing them, and I said, I can't pull it off. But apparently Sean Payton can. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, well, I also thought that Drew Brees' play – got worse as the game went on. I, I thought he he threw so many balls late where he didn't have zip or he was throwing it behind a receiver or short. And I and then like the interception, like that can't be got forgotten too. And Drew Brees is an incredible person, but I felt that he didn't have the zip at the end that he really needed. That 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 pull that ball to the receiver what it, it pretty much hit Nikel Roby in the back. It was going to. He certainly was open before that. That's I what I'm saying. That. Like I just um, felt like there was a lot of Drew Brees passes at the end that didn't have the zip necessary. Well, I, I, I mean, listen, I think that's fair. I mean, again, you know, um, he, he is up there in age. He's still awesome and does things. But, yes, he's not going to wow us with his, you know, ability to push balls into tight windows and things like that. And I think what we got to do really more than anything, what's getting lost in this whole conversation, is the Rams' defense is phenomenal. They held the New Orleans Saints to 290 total mm. yards. They made the run game of the New Orleans Saints non-existent. They made Michael Thomas, who went for 212 yards the last time, non-existent. And I'm excited to watch that film. And you what, know, what, again, are your, my, what are your first thoughts as to how that happened? Well, I think, first of all, I mean, see, it's games like this, and I'm going to start to open up a can of words. Like, this is where I just look at Michael Thomas and go, no, He's not a number one receiver. I mean, he's a number one receiver, but he's not like top five in football. I don't care what his stats say. Again, his, his greatest ability is the fact that Sean Payton puts him in spots where his defense has a hard time stopping him. You know, he's not the type of receiver you can line him outside like Antonio Brown or Odell Beckham Jr. or Julio Jones all game and say, we expect you to beat the best corner covering you all game long. He can't do that. That's not what he does. He needs to be moved around to a degree, and there was obviously attention paid to him 
all the time. And certainly when he ran shallow crossers, for the most part, I felt like there was guys there to watch over him. They, they changed looks when he was in the slot and did stuff like that as well, I thought. But I don't know exactly what they did to him. That's where I'm excited to watch on film in general. Yeah. But I just do think that the Rams played special on defense for the second week in a row because why? They're playing it close to the vest, like I think we've both seen the last few weeks, where they don't do a whole lot because they have phenomenal talent. And Damakun Sue had his two yes. best games of the so year. So I, I was just going to say, right. there's been a Go few ahead. players on the Rams that in these last two games have exploded back on the scene. Dante right. Fowler, Indomitian yep. Sue, Mark Barron. Like, yeah. those three guys, now now they've gotten burned a few times because they're in some tough positions, but right. those three guys were making plays, man. Yes. I mean, that's why, and even the Corey Littleton factor oh, he's, again. He was all over around. And, and Yeah, right. And I think that's the big thing. Like, I think it goes back to, like, a little what we were saying last week where, you know, since Sue and Donald are playing it more by the book up front, it's allowing Barron and Littleton to be more ball hawks. They're not having to worry about, oh, this is my gap. Oh, wait, Aaron Donald shot into my gap. Now I have to cover his gap. You know what I mean? That's, that's what has happened to some of those, those players at times, Barron and Littleton. Now where they're playing it close to the vest, the two guys up front, they're free to go, wait, I know exactly where I need to be. And if the ball's not there, then I can go just get the ball carrier. And it's shown some of their explosive ability. But you're right, too, dude. I mean, Sue, Dante Fowler, yes. again, the Rams, uh, their defense that was led a big time trade and pressuring the quarterback. Well, and it's interesting, like, I'm honestly rewatching the game right now just to kind of watch the lines and the pushes and stuff. The right. Rams really had a clean pocket for Goff. They, the Saints, as you said, yeah. were missing that other pass rusher. Davenport wasn't able to do it in his first year, and then losing Rankins was so big. But every time right. I'm seeing Drew Brees drop back, there are a few white gloves clawing at his arms that they're getting the push. Yes. I, you know, I, I guess... And as a true football fan, and again, I'm not trying to be a hater on the Saints fans or Saints or anything like that, so uh, please don't take it that way. Anybody out there that's rooting for the Saints. But I do think the better team won the football game. I think Mm. that's why I can swallow the crappy non-call at the end better than I can call or, or better than maybe if he was wide open and the guy was trailing behind him and had to pull his jersey to stop him. You know right. what I mean? Like, I guess as a football player, I can look at that play also and just go, man, the X's and O's were there to be stopped. But I think the big thing, too, Lefko, that we can't, like, neglect in this and is the overriding, uh, like, thesis of this whole thing here is this. Why the fuck is the NFL officiated differently in the playoffs than it is in the regular season? That's the biggest problem the NFL has here. Because all year long, I mean, that would have been a pass interference and shit. I don't know. The guy might have been ejected for headhunting. Who the Mm -hmm. hell knows? But, you know, I know people also are wanting that defenseless receiver. We haven't seen defenseless receiver called all playoffs. It's not going to be called because the referees are too afraid of being the showcase in the football game. So they've let the players play. And this was a moment where they wanted to let the players play. And they tried to keep their hands in their pockets. But this one was, you know, egregiously wrong where you do have to just call that at that moment and go on. Hey, look, uh, my, my, my team won the Super Bowl last year because they let us play. 
Like, yes. like, think about it. All those plays that the Eagles got last year where they decided not to overturn the play in plays that were being overturned all year, like the Corey Clement catch in the back of the end zone, it was exactly like the Alston Safarian Jenkins incompletion. Um, it, ha- right. it happens in every sport. I feel like the strike zone changes in the playoffs. I feel like NBA yep. fouls are called differently in the playoffs. Right, um, right. You know, it's it's a different game in the playoff. I do want to give credit. Cam Jordan did have a big sack, and, and Cam is a phenomenal player, and he doesn't get enough credit. But the guy that I think we didn't give credit to a long time made an incredible rollout throw on third down with nine minutes left in the game. Jared Goff rolling yeah. out against the grain, finding Gerald Everett. Jared Goff played a good game. Not a big fan of him his time management at the end and the way he kind of threw that incompletion, I feel like he got scared and said, I'm just going to give the ball to Greg the leg. But I thought yeah, Goff right. played a great game. I, I am with you, Lefko. He did play a great game. Yeah, I mean, yes. I mean, I I, if, I think if he doesn't panic there again, you're going to have Robert Woods over the middle on the route that we yes. saw him complete earlier in the drive that he kind of threw inaccurately. Is that, where it was, is that what you thought happened too? I thought he looked around and was like, I can't take a sack and I'm a little bit afraid, so I'm just going to dead this ball and let's bring out the kicker. I, I think all of that played into it. He understood that he's gotta, he couldn't take that sack. I think when he saw the pressure off the edge, he wasn't sure if he was picked up schematically and he was not going to risk it, so he just got the ball out of his hands. But, um, yeah, I mean, there was certainly a play there to be had going across the middle, which, I, you know, in the West Coast offense, we call that a looky, a looky, uh, where the receiver has the option to go, go inside if it's there to be had, and, then, and if he gets cut off inside, he pushes inside like he's going to run that route, and then he retraces back outside. Uh, and that was there to be had. But to your point, Jared Goff, so many, so many big throws. I mean, really was. I mean, you talk about some of the plays he made right before the half to go down and make the game 13-10 yep. with the fade route down the left sideline. Oh, Brandon so, Cooks. Yes, right. That was a huge moment. He in the had another game. another deep throw before the face mask that wasn't called to Keenan Reynolds. That was a nice touch ball. It, it, exactly right. That was a great ball as well. And then really your play that you're discussing where he scrambled out to his right and found Ger- Gerald Everett was probably the play of the game for Jared Goff, but yes, for them again to battle back in the way they were down twenty to ten in that environment, uh, I just can't get enough credit to that team, McVeigh, everybody for just hanging in there and and dealing a, with an environment and experience that you know, of course, they were very new to. All right, so it's easy to take the blame off the Saints and by saying that the PI was missed, but when Ted Ginn caught that deep ball with two minutes left that brought them down to the 12-yard line and the Rams had two timeouts, you're absolutely right. Why are you throwing on first? Why are you you throwing on third? Why are you throwing under, like, underneath screen passes to Michael Thomas? You have Alvin Kamara and you have Ingram. Like, waste the clock. Like, waste the clock. You, because uh, I, 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 I as it. someone that bet on the Rams and was rooting for the Rams, when Ted Ginn got that ball and we went to commercial, I went, right. It was a great game. 23 20 Saints. It's over. So, right. so we could get angry about the, the missed call on third down, but the Saints, you know, were yelling at the Falcons when Kyle Shanahan threw the ball on first and third, and he should have ran it three times in that game. Situational football. I agree. Again, that's what I mean. So, and and then like you know, again, we're kind of, I know we're we're going to come off as Saints haters no matter what. But 
We do, these are all we do I is c- call it straight. Well, yeah, that's what we try. That's what we do. That's exactly right. I know, and it just, it just, it's tough. Hey, listen, I feel for the Saints. I really do. Yeah, it this sucks. Is two, this is two years in a row of like the most gut wrenching fucking losses ever. Like these I are said this to Josh. Won't... Okay, I said this to Josh yesterday. I said two years ago. Sims said, I don't know what it is. I'm looking at the Saints roster, and the Saints can make a run at a Super Bowl. And I said yesterday, you know what? Sims kind of called the the start of this run. And if they the Saints go to the Super Bowl this year, I could totally see them winning it. And I feel like Sims kind of called it two years ago. We, The Saints are, are perfectly built. They have guys on the back end that can cover people. They have athletic linebackers. They got a few monsters up front and Cam Jordan and Sheldon Rankins when healthy that can really push a pile. They have a great offensive line with multiple weapons at wide receiver at running back that can play all the positions. A quarterback that can execute a game plan that the game plan is so special because the coach is perfect. They have an insane home field advantage and they play in a division which the bottom falls out every year and the Super Bowl was in a dome they were the team I told everybody before the year the two teams that were really interesting from a betting perspective were the Saints 18 to 1 and the Steelers 18 to 1 and I think also the Chargers were around 18 to 20 to 1 they're a Super Bowl quality team that had all the pieces together and it just didn't happen but I, I, I will say this Saints fans, the Eagles were up 14 to nothing on the Saints. The game didn't come down to a play or two at the end that didn't go our way. Why did we run up and throw that ball to Alshon? No, it came at when it was 14 to nothing. We didn't put our foot on their throat. Right. You didn't I, kill the yeah. team. And they didn't yeah, kill that, the team. That's exactly it. When when the I'll Rams you, when the Rams yeah. held the Saints to a second field goal to go up 6 nothing, I said we got ourselves a game. Because right. that you need to score touchdowns there. When you're up thirteen nothing, you need to put them away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was that 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 really to me. That's why we you know we started off talking about the Rams defense, their ability to hold the the Saints to two field goals early, and really be a team that was overwhelmed in the game and only be down thirteen nothing. That was the game in my eyes. Certainly, it really was because yeah, that that I think on a normal day versus most teams in the NFL. The New Orleans Saints are up 17 nothing. They're up 21 nothing, And it's just like, uh-oh, it's the avalanche. They're at the Superdome. This is over. There's no way this other team can compete today. But their defense kept them in the football game. And because of that, yes, it gave them a chance to kind of get their feet underneath them, get used to the circumstances. And, uh, and at the end of the day, like we were talking about with Sean Payton, throwing that ball on first down, you know, again, I just can't tell you how many times I've been in a – you know, on a, this type of loss or, you know, a loss where it was dictated by some bad penalty call or whatever, and we go, we just look at each other and go, damn, I mean, we should have just, we should have known better. We should have never left it in the ref's hands. We had chances to end this game early. Yeah. And really, and that's where they're going to kick themselves. Of course, they're gonna, it's going to hurt because of the missed pass interference call. But as true football competitors, they're going to go back and watch that film and go, damn. man, this should have not even been a game. We could have, yeah. we should have put this away to where it never got to this point. Yeah, so I thought them not putting it away, them not ending the game late was issues right there by the Saints. And then you see the beauty of Sean McVay's offense on that last drive by Jared Goff to tie it up 
where it's third and three on the Saints 49, and he stacks Cooks and Woods on the left, and he, he puts them right on top of each other, and Woods just goes right underneath because it's an inadvertent pick, and he picks up the, the amount of yards to feel, to feel comfortable for Greg. And yeah. uh, I thought Sean was unbelievable. I thought he handled himself so well with his play calls. I felt like he really created what we always ask for, which is plays to go off of each other. The the use of the play action, the use of the stretch runs into Jared Goff's ability, especially on turf, to kind of find those mismatches on the other side. And then I don't know about you. When I saw Sean McVay getting interviewed after the game, and he said, I don't know about that, but we're going to the Super Bowl, baby! I was like... John Gruden's back in the Super Bowl. He's he back. Seriously. He is when he talks. He's John Gruden. He's definitely. He looks like the only difference is Sean McVay is going to hit the potential that John Gruden's ego wouldn't let him hit. <laughs> that's my honest. That's my true feeling. Is when, I hear you. That's a. It's a good take. It's a good feeling. When I look, Josh said this yesterday. When you look at pictures of Sean McVay and his fiance or girlfriend or wife, I'm not exactly sure what she is. It looks like like an, an advertisement for a real estate agent in Malibu. It looks right. too perfect. They look plastic. But what's funny is is that's Sean McVay. Sean McVay okay. irons his khakis and he irons his polos and he tucks it in and he goes to work every day and he comes up with the scheme. And the problem is, is Gruden, I think, eventually read all his press clippings. McVay goes, I don't have time to read. Yes. And I, I, yes. I this could be I another think there's less decade. ego there. I, I think that's the biggest thing, what you're saying. Less ego. Sean McVay's willing to. You know, listen to a Wade Phillips and let him have control of the defensive game plan. Sean McVay is willing to steal plays from other people in the NFL and not be ashamed to admit it or whatever it may be. And there's those little things to why, yeah, he's the man and, of course, and uh, the youngest coach in Super Bowl history. Man, it's hey, – look, look, what were you going to say? I, I was going to say, last thing about the Saints moving on to moving forward, because I know we're going to get ready to talk about this next game after this, is just – to me, one thing that was jumped out to me about the Saints, just that, that I do think they have to address this offseason. They need one more weapon in the, in the past game. You know, yeah. I think really what came back to hurt them more than anything is the Rams uh, could put all their eggs in there. Let's stop Michael Thomas. Let's try to contain Alvin Kamara in the past game and we should be okay from there. And, of course, Kamara had a good day, but I think they were willing to live with 11 catches for 96 yards and not be, you know, 11 catches 160 yards or something like that. But they do need that one other weapon to where teams can't focus on their main weapons so much in certain formations and take them away. Yeah, I think when you look at their roster and how it was constructed, they they come into the to the year and Mike Thomas uh, – Ted Ginn got hurt for a while, and he he did not look like the Ted Ginn of the last few years. Um, When he did get by guys, like in the Eagles game, he'd lose the ball in the lights. He wasn't that reliable. I thought Traquan Smith played a really good year. But do you know what guy I think hurt them the most? I really think the Saints entered this year expecting a lot out of Cam Meredith. And we never right. saw them. I think that was right. a, a they 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 paid a lot more than people thought uh, for that uh, for for Cam Meredith, and I never saw the production. And he got hurt, but it was like the Tommy Lee Lewises. And did you agree with with Troy that putting in um, what's our guy? 
uh, the quarterback. Taysom Hill. Did you agree with Troy that putting in Taysom Hill was was hurting Breeze's uh, flow? Um, I, I can't say that I, I I felt that way. No, I, I did not totally agree with that. I mean, um, yeah, I just feel like they listen. That's been a part of their offense all year long. I was expecting more of a Taysom Hill package really in the football game. I really was. I thought we would see him with some more quarterback design runs or. You know, last week what they did is they had quarterback design RPOs where he was running the toss sweep to the right but also could throw the ball down the field as he was looking at is there lanes to run the ball. I thought we were going to see more of that. It was really actually a little shocked we didn't see a few more, you know, creative wrinkles from that aspect from the Saints. Man, but overall, the Saints had an opportunity with the first possession of overtime to go down. Drew Brees, you know, this is what happens sometimes with Drew Brees. Pressure in his face, ball flutters in the air, intercepted, and the Rams are able to get like one or two first downs and then kick a 57-yard field goal. They're going to the Super Bowl. Do we have the right representative for the NFC in your mind? Were the Rams the best team? Uh, I, I do think so. It's I mean, funny. I, I, I still gonna... I still feel like the Saints were the better team. I know that you said the better team won. Yeah, but... that's okay. It, it was very close. You know, it, it was extremely close football game, and uh, I, I totally understand your feeling of that as well. Um, yeah, I think at the end of the day, I do feel like the Rams were better, but I certainly respect you know you saying the Saints or anybody else saying the Saints. It was that close, and of course we we saw how close it really was, but. For me, in both games, I thought the best team won, and uh, yeah. uh, but it is a shitty way for the Saints, and I can't even imagine what oh. they feel like this morning because th- this is the type of loss that if you're Drew Brees, like he's going to wake up on certain days when he's 73 years old, and he's going to go, damn, there's, I mean, I just can't believe we lost that game. Like It's going to still hit home to him like it's still the, get, the day after the game in random days 20 and 30 years from now, and uh, that's what happens when you're a, an elite athlete and you have some big-time losses like this. And I, I just want you to know, the Saints locker room right now is furious. Uh, there's been a petition signed by hundreds of thousands of Saints fans. Uh, right. Michael Thomas has been very active. He literally just tweeted, hey, Roger, pick up the phone. So they're all calling for a rematch, and I think it's it's interesting. Like, it's... Man, it feels like their their Super Bowl trip has been taken away from them two years in a row in a weird way. Yeah, uh, but the I think it was Bleacher Report put it out put out a a picture for the Rams of all the big name free agents and money they spent. So it was right. like Indomik and Sue, and and they traded for Dante Fowler, and they paid all this money for Aaron Donald, and and all these things. Franchise and, Lamarcus Joyner, you know, got to keep to leave. I mean they. They and went so, for it. So they, Josh, they tried to make it happen, and kudos to them. So we commented underneath that post, like, you got to spend money to make trophies. And what did Le'Veon Bell comment under that photo also? Because you know Le'Veon's got, got to get involved, which is yeah. phenomenal left-go PR to find his way there. But what did he say? So Le'Veon under the post wrote, exactly what you're supposed to do. They did it right. Forget trying to save for the future. You better go and try and win that shit right now when you can. Yeah. yeah. And now that's blowing up. Yeah. All right, you ready? You want to go to the other game? Yeah, I can't believe. I can't. It's just I'm still coming to grips with the fact that there's one NFL game left. I'm, I know. I'm coming to grips with the fact that a team like the Saints are dead. You know? Yeah, like it's, it they, is. It's a weird. Yeah. Uh, the 
you know, when I look back, I always, you know, I say this about Hall of Famers that you have to tell the story. The Saints were one of the the top two stories in my mind. Like both of the teams that lost yesterday, the Saints and the Chiefs, all year yeah. it felt like a collision course of those two teams. And I I right. do feel a little bit robbed of that narrative. Um, yeah, that's I, the Super Bowl matchup as a fan I wanted to watch the most. I mean, I know I picked the other two teams to win, but I wanted to see Chiefs. Saints is yes. just a true fan. That was the game I wanted to watch on TV more than anything. Uh, yeah, I, I think I thought that that one was going to give us the best blend of coaches that were going to leave it all out there with quarterbacks that can execute their systems and then right. and and just no fear. Now and I, the storylines and all of it. Yeah, yes. it's all. It all would have been the. I, yeah, I, I'm with you, Lefko. I think that would have been the best storylines. All. But the maybe this that, means we get Pat Mahomes now at our uh, at Dantana's in Atlanta again. Email Sims and Lefko at Gmail. Maybe Patrick Mahomes are going to be there. I don't know. Put that on a flyer. Maybe Patrick Mahomes will be there. All right, let's get to this game. Uh, so we watched the first game at Josh's place, and then we went to a bar downstairs uh, with my brother to watch the second game. It's just yep. such a different experience to watch in a bar. Um, you know, there there are there are plays. Let's say the muffed punt, where we were going nuts for eight seconds right. afterwards, but everyone right. at home knew. Uh, it seems like the MVP of this game though was Tony Romo. Everyone, <laughs> he was pretty awesome. Wow, were you? That was my first question for you. Was when he was calling Edelman over the middle, Edelman over the middle, Gronk on the outside. Were you seeing the same thing, or was Romo just on it? No, I mean Romo was on it, but yes, yeah, certainly. I mean, you know, if you watch New England the most, and you know, I think you can attest that I'm a pretty avid watcher of New England on I a would, regular basis. I would say they're the only film that I can guarantee on a weekly basis. You're guaranteed to watch. I would agree with that. There's no matter what it is, I am going to sit down at some point and watch New England because they're going to do things that, you know, I haven't thought of or other teams didn't do to attack this team. And I always find that really intriguing when you break them down. Um, But yes, I mean, you know, just the way they attack in general, Romo was all over it. I mean, he, he knew where they were going to run the football. He understood what they were trying to do when they were dropping back to pass. Um, so that that was that was fun to watch Sims. a few times. Like, oh, oh, he's going to check it this side. He's going to check the run this side, and and you know, by God damn it, they they went to that side and and ran the ball and got a first down. So that was cool. But I mean, as much as Roma was awesome, damn, the freaking Patriots to just once again just show the X's and O's beat the Jimmys and the Joes. That's every really all that week. comes down to to me. Sims, if Tony Romo can predict every play, why can't Bob Sutton? <laughs> well. You know, there's, That's a, there's great a lot to worry Kendrick about there, question. certainly. I know. Um, and, hey, it's a lot easier to just predict where they might work once you're seeing the team line up and you get to see the matchup, right? So, you know, it's different than calling a defensive play in the huddle and going, well, damn, when they're in this personnel set, there's like 25 different plays I have to worry about here or 25 different schemes I got to worry about with this personnel set. Tony Romo gets the advantage of seeing it lined up and then going, oh, okay, they've lined up. They've stressed the Chiefs out here. I know that when they get in this formation, they might like this matchup here or, you know, or they're going to look across at all the matchups and Tony Romo is going to get the benefit that Bob Sutton does go and go, oh, well, 
the Patriots are going to like the, the favor of this matchup because also New England's probably told them some of the things they like during you know uh. the, the pre-meeting things. And so, so he's alert to what to look for, also knowing what the Patriots do in certain situations according to what the defense that has been called on the field, and now he gets to see it line up. That's where it's different than being the defensive coordinator on the sideline. All right, so – this Is that a good game, answer, Josh? Was that all right? Yes, it was. Thank you. Yeah, I think the. Uh, all I think right, the, thanks, Josh. I think the thing that everyone underestimates with color commentators and broadcasters is the amount of questions and information that you get before the game that influences the way in which you call the game. Sure. Um, yes, I. I think that's a very valid point. Now, I don't think you're getting a ton of information from New England. No, but. You'll, you'll at least get a feel for how they feel, where they match up good in certain areas and, and things like that. And having watched and, games with you before and other quarterbacks, because I do believe this is a quarterback trait, you guys are able to see, you guys are able to retain formation usage and use that right. for keys. Yes, without a doubt. Formation, formation usage, and then I think what the one thing quarterbacks can always do is go, no matter what the formation is or who the players are, I've watched New England, and I know when the defense plays this defense, yes. they like to attack this area. That's where I can like sum it up sometimes, just go, oh, okay, yeah, it's Edelman in the slot or it's Hogan in the slot. Oh, but when the defense does this and the yeah. Patriots in this formation, they're going to try to expose this area. I've watched enough to know that. This game went so well in the Patriots' way that it's – like if you played this a hundred times, this would be in like the 98th percentile of how you'd want it to go as a Patriots fan. 14 yeah. nothing at halftime. Here are right. the total stats for the game, okay? Yep. The Patriots had 524 net yards. Kansas City had 290. The Patriots ran 94 offensive plays. The Chiefs ran 47. Amazing. Patriots had 176 rushing. Chiefs had 41. Patriots had 348 passing. Chiefs had 249. Yep. Um, In terms of time of possession, the Patriots had the ball for 44 minutes. The Chiefs had it for 21. Yep. It was everything that we've said about these teams coming to life. The Patriots are a running football team. Sony Michelle gets 29 carries. The X factor for the Chiefs is Sammy Watkins. Four catches, 114, including what I believe was the fake punt of this game, which was the third and two Mahomes over the top to Watkins, right. which sparked right. sparked the Chiefs. That was yep. that was the play that woke them up. That was really the no, it play. I no thought. doubt. But that first half was just an absolute bludgeoning, Sims. Uh, a bludgeoning again, but just like the first game, we went, man, this game should be twenty-one nothing or something worse. But Brady throws, of course, the bad interception on the second drive of the game when they're on the one-yard line, the one-foot line. See, for me, that came. was that was an even trade. You had the Brady pick, which equaled Mahomes on the running back wheel route overthrow. Yeah, okay. okay where, then yeah. La- where then later he was sacked and it caused a punt. For me, that, that game should have been 21-7, to so being 14 to nothing was the same. Yeah, I don't know if you can go tick for tack there. Okay. You can't go with a guy missing a receiver and him Wide just open. missing it. Kelsey's Tom Brady, hands. like Captain Clutch throwing one of the dumbest interceptions 
in the history of his career. Why is but that I route? Guess you're saying why is that route still a thing on the one yard line? The dump over the middle where there's a million defenders. Yeah, well, I, you know, again, New England doesn't do anything. That was the Pittsburgh out. interception to Denver. Well, a little bit. You're exactly right. But you know what happens to quarterbacks in that case? First of all, I think Kansas City did something that they weren't expecting in that moment. I think they thought, you know, Kansas City would sell out for the inside runs like, like New England had done. And, you know, they stopped New England on a fourth and one. Let's not forget about that yep. in the fourth quarter. But I think they were, they were expecting such a sellout there that they would just have somebody wide open over the middle. And I'm sure it wide open in practice all week. That's why Brady kind of came up like nonchalantly, like, oh, this will be wide open. (laughs) And they dropped people out of the line of scrimmage is what it looked like to me. And, again, I'll have better answers for everybody when we we do our film breakdown on Wednesday. But, yeah, that was a – you know, of course, a huge part of the football game, and of course, gave the Chiefs life because you go down fourteen nothing there, you're starting to go, uh oh, yeah. this is going to snowball. But at the end of the day, I mean, hey, if we were going to sum this whole thing up again, it's just like um, it's it's Bill Belichick team football against one guy in Mahomes trying to make magic happen, and our worst nightmare came true for Kansas City as usual. Oh wait. Oh, you know what happens when they lose the game? It's their their defense. defense is on the field last. And, you know, everything, everybody's got their crip tonight or their weakness, or it's going to get exposed at some point Except in the, the most Patriots. crucial moments. Right. And it's the 31st ranked defense in football. And they finally met a game plan uh, that had the people up front to slow down to the execute. great pass rush. We never even heard D Ford or Justin Houston or Chris Jones throughout the game. They were they were non-existent because so, New England with the run game and play action just absolutely flustered the Kansas City Chiefs, and and there wasn't a whole lot they could do. When Chris Jones got hurt in the fourth, did he stay out yeah. after that? I, I feel I you know I because I'm go looking. Back look, well, I feel here. like he came back in for a few snaps here and there, but he I played, could be wrong. He played 51 of the 97 snaps for 53 percent. Oh, I can't imagine that Chris Jones played that few snaps all year. I wouldn't think so. You're exactly right. That's that. Justin Houston uh, played 95. He played 98 percent of the snaps. Wow. Alvin Bailey played 80 percent. Naughty played 60 percent. D Ford. I'm looking. D Ford played 84 yeah. percent. So yep. Chris Jones playing 53 percent is the equal of Fletcher Cox against the Saints. No doubt about because it. Because a huge he, injury. It's enormous because then, you know, Rex Burkhead might get banged up at the line instead of getting five yards and no touch. Well, he could get batted footballs like we saw him do yes. early in the game where he got his hand up on a big third down, I believe. Or yeah, third and six. Either way. But, yeah, I mean, to your point, Chris Jones is the best. Yeah, other than you could, you know, other He's than the best Tyree defensive Kill, player Kelsey, on both and teams. Mahomes, like Chris Jones is – He's in the top five players of that football team, and he's the best player on their defense. There's no even denying that. That is the star player of the Kansas City Chiefs defense, and they rely on that front four ruining games. And, of course, they weren't able to ruin the game. They didn't get one sack. They led football in sacks this year. Uh, and there, here's a game where they never really had the opportunity to get by never. or get close to Tom Brady. Because McDaniels is a top-five play caller. Every guy had cushions and bubbles, and the ball was out so quickly. And you know what's great, man? 
The Patriots are just so damn consistent. It's a yeah. game in which Brady throws for 348, Edelman and Gronk are his leading receivers, and a running back that came out of nowhere is now their leading rusher. It's every year. It's every year. Yep. Brady, one touchdown, two interceptions, still win the game. Yeah, that's right. I mean, and just ahead of the curve, just like we always talk about New England. Oh, we're going to make a transition from our 41-year-old, you know, maybe greatest quarterback in the history of the sport, certainly the most decorated. We know he can't carry the team like he could back, you know, five, six years ago. So we got to become a running football team. We're going to start drafting old linemen. We're going to draft a first-round tailback. And we're going to win games that way. So where also our 41-year-old quarterback doesn't have to get beat to death throwing the ball 50 times a game because he won't last that way. It's just New England on another level. And then really at the other thing we got to talk about, again, I mean, just like the other game, you know, we got to we praise the Rams. The New England Patriots defense held the greatest show we've seen in football the last few years to 290 total yards of mm. offense. Incredible. And there was no consistency, right, from, from the Chiefs really in offense. It was really just, oh, I mean, Mahomes is going to have to make a big play. Oh, Mahomes is going to have to scramble out to the right and throw a 40-yard dart to the tailback up the sideline with no angle to throw it. But he'll throw it perfectly. I mean, that's what one team was relying on. And then meanwhile, the other team was, you know, against in their advanced hieroglyphics class, where they have doubled Tyree Kill all game long anytime there's a passing situation. Stephon Gilmore, he's stuck on Sammy Watkins for the most part. J.C. Jackson would go on Kelsey. Sometimes J.C. Jackson and Gilmore switched to where J.C. Jackson went Watkins and Gilmore went Kelsey. But just another masterful game plan and something they didn't do the first two times or the last two times they played the Chiefs. They didn't, they didn't approach it that way, and I bet you they caught the Chiefs by surprise. And we talked about, again, left, go, right, with, like, Mahomes and his ability to scramble. Well, they limited his scrambling oh, for the yes. most part all night. and they kept two them carries, in the 11 yards. Right, right. And, you know, that was the big worry for me for the game was, you know, if they keep Mahomes in the pocket, can he beat them? I, I can't even lie. I was shocked that we were going we – were, I was sitting there going, I can't believe the, the Chiefs are still in this game, really. Mm. I really couldn't. You know, just like the Saints, I felt like should have put away the Chiefs. I went, man, the Patriots should have put away the Chiefs. This game uh, should be over. They're going to get their ass burned here now because Mahomes is going to make some play and win this football game. Fortunately for them, it didn't happen, and they found a way to win the game. So I went on next-gen stats because I was right. curious how many of Brady's 30 completions for 348 were over 10 yards. Yeah. 30 completions. I just did the math. Right. 23 of the 30 were 10 yards or less. Yeah. 19 were 5 yards or less. Right. 19 of Tom Brady's 30 completions were 5 yards or less. Now, all three of his touchdowns were over 10 yards. And I feel pretty confident that they were all play-action-based. Well, yeah. Brady only threw one touchdown. Oh, excuse me. Just getting that straight, but either way, oh, they mislabeled. Yeah. They mislabeled his tu- his other uh, interceptions as touchdowns on next. Oh, gen. gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so like, yeah, I mean, hey, this is what New England does. They're not gonna they're not gonna ask Brady to be Patrick Mahomes and throw you know forty yard lasers all over the field all game long. But when asked to, in the biggest moments, Brady threw the ball phenomenal, yes. just oh. like he did last week. So let's say, let's just get to this. 
Yeah. It's overtime. Three third and tens. And those right. guys were not open, man. Like, no. the beautiful thing, like, I think Drew Brees has another season in him. Yeah. I think Tom Brady has another five. I really do. Hey. Yeah. Like, he, th- it's a master class of the prof- in the profession. And they're, they're at such a level now. And also the offenses and the game plans that are built around them, around them allow them to execute and not have to do it by themselves. This isn't, right. this isn't Randall Cunningham. This isn't John Elway. You know, these guys, like, this is why Peyton could keep playing the game. But Peyton didn't have an offensive mind at the end to make it easier for him. No, these, nor the arm. That's the one thing. Don't forget about that. Brady, Brady still, throwing, still you know, has the arm. Brady does. Brady right. has so much more arm than Breeze, but it really is incredible that they're at a level of reading defenses now, and they're at a level, too, of Brady so much more than Breeze, of knowing what it takes to win. And being right. calm in that moment. It's the reason we're amazed by Nick Foles. Because sure. Nick Foles has that and we're going, you're not Tom Brady. Tom Brady oh. makes sense because he's got five Super Bowl rings and no one can touch him and he's incredible. But He's incredible. But he gets out there in overtime and there wasn't a doubt. I never had a doubt. And I'm going to give credit to Fendrick. So the fourth down stop by the Chiefs. Right. Fendrick looks at me and goes, Patriots are winning this game. When the Patriots got stopped on fourth down and they showed Belichick and Belichick didn't look phased, Fendrick went, the Patriots are winning this game. Now we had a few more, we had a few more lead changes, but the whole time Fendrick's going, no, Patriots are winning this game. Yeah. So I'm going to give him credit. Yeah. I felt the same way uh, as you did, uh, Josh. I really did. I kept going, oh, they're winning this game. They're the better team. And I kept going, man, unbelievable. I mean, oh, my gosh, Kansas City made another big play. Mahomes, holy cow, they're still hanging in here. I kept thinking the same thing. Uh, Clearly, hey, they were the better, more complete football team. And, Lefko, to your point about Brady, I mean, it's like, it's unbelievable. I mean, him, him driving down at the end of the AFC championship game, he he must feel like most quarterbacks feel in like preseason game number three. That's how numb he must be to that moment at this point. Like, oh, AFC championship game, game-winning drive? No problem. I've been there for the Super Bowl. This is my eighth time doing this in the Super Bowl where i got to go on the game-winning drive. AFC championship? I mean, geez, please, don't even waste my time with boiling my blood on this one. I mean, that's how amazing it is what New England's doing. It is the greatest dynasty we have ever seen in any sport ever, what they're doing. We will never see anything like this ever again. As much as we want to hate the New England Patriots, and I understand it, I was rooting for the Kansas City Chiefs, I thought, yesterday as that game was going on. But as the game went on, Lefko, I just kept going, no, I'm going to root for the Patriots because they're better and they deserve it. And well, as much I was as I not. wanted it. I did. I changed. I wasn't. I really I'm changed. sitting there. I'm sitting there watching that ball go over Julian Edelman's fingers, and I'm in this bar going, "It touched his thumb. You bet your ass, it touched his thumb." Which that play was an optical illusion. It it, was, it really was. I I do think they got it right because every yes, they part did. where they I did. thought, yeah, every part where I thought like you, where I was like, "Oh, it looked like they touched. It, this might have touched this part." The they other angle, another camera yes. angle, where you're like, "Oh no, it didn't even come close to that part." So, all right, how did our uh, boy? How did our boy Mahomes play overall? 
I mean, he, he played okay. Uh, overall, I mean, I really think he did about as much as he could do. Yeah. He missed a few throws like you talked about. He missed a, you know, uh, a touchdown pass. Um, Damian you know, Williams. Who was that? Yes, right, to, to, to Damian Williams. Um, he took the, the bad sack when they were in field yes. goal range. yes. You know, that was another young moment. But again, you know, hey, it's the guy's 23 years old. And he's got nothing else around him helping him. There's no run game. They become one dimensional. Yep. They're going to drop back and throw the football. They have they Cam, took away they Tyree have, Kelsey. They have Cam Irving starting on their offensive line. Yeah, I mean, it just it just is all. It was it was tough. They met, you know, the ultimate team that we've seen in team sports, and they had a great game plan for keeping him in the pocket. Look at some of the things they did with their defensive line. Right, they kept running these end tackle games where the end would crash inside to basically create the inside pressure, right? And then the tackles then the, would go the outside to contain him. They would him. go outside, right, to contain him, then to go, nope, you're staying in this pocket. We're yeah. going to crash it right in your face. Wow. And then we're going to have somebody there waiting for you on the edges when you try to get outside and make Mahomes magic. And they made life very untough, uh, very tough for him there. And, and this great offense we saw – was relegated to really only one guy getting off, and that was Sammy Watkins. And I think we've seen all year that when only one guy gets off in Kansas City, they have issues. When they they, get two and three guys off, there we go, uh uh-oh. I think what's incredible is they didn't just hold Tyree Kill to one catch for 42 yards. They held him to three targets. Right. Like, they didn't even – I never even saw throws going to Tyree Kill. Was there anything that you saw from the broadcast that that you saw what they were trying to do? Was it just doubling every time? It was. It looked like it was Jonathan Jones underneath and McCourty over the top a lot of the times, or maybe it was Jason McCourty underneath and the other – you know, and Devin – and Devin's back deep playing them. But what they did more times than not is just cancel them out of Mahomes' thought process before the play even started. And – that's what I thought is, I just kept going, he's got man-to-man on Sammy. How is he not right. going to look at that? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it, it took a while for them to figure out their game plan. And that's where I go, I don't think Kansas City was expecting that type of game plan. Or I think maybe uh, Andy Reid would have moved around uh, Tyree Kill more. You know, there's ways you can stress a team when they want to do double coverage and things like that. But they never really got into a flow of trying to find him the football. And Mahomes, being the young quarterback he was, he sees double team yeah. before the snap. So he He's looks gonna the other way. On. And, and that's all there was to it. But it was just masterful game planning once again. And New England's built for the modern-day NFL. They just they go, we're going to get really good cover, guys. Yeah. We're going to do some creative things. And then we're going to have, like you said a million times, and we talked about it last week, all these all-purpose guys up front to where you don't know who's blitzing, who's dropping out when we get in you in obvious passing situations. And if we're not sure and if, if it's maybe a you could run or throw it, well, shit, we're just going to put three gigantic guys in the yeah. middle and try to slow it down that way, and we'll just cover you on the back end and make it tough you know, in both areas. So should they're on the, another level. Should the Chiefs have traded Marcus Peters this offseason? Because the team that he's on now is going to the Super Bowl, and obviously I'm not giving him all the credit for that. I'm just saying a Chiefs team that was a few man corners away or a few, yeah. just a few guys in there, I don't know. It's, yeah, let's go. I, it's, a, it's a very valid question. Because, because if, I, if I'm a corner right now 
I'm yeah. calling up Kansas City, and I'm going, I see what you have there, and you need me, pal. Let's do this. They just no need some more talent. It. Yes. Like I mean, if that's I'm corners, all it came down to, right? If they're I'm playing calling, at the end of the game, Lefko looked like they were playing two-man. They yeah. were lining up in it. And they just don't have the Jimmys and the Joes to no. make the type of plays in the back end to get them off the field to win a football game. And we saw that in every loss they had this year. It didn't matter. Oh, we're up by 14 against the Chargers? Yeah. Well, there goes Phillip Rivers going to score 15 the last two drives of the up game. Up against the Rams, like, Gerald Everett's right. going to find a seam. Up against the Patriots, oh, we had nobody to cover Gronk at the end. Yep. He caught two huge fades down the sideline in big yeah. moments. It just That was the problem with their team all year, and they finally met the team that, of course, had all the pieces and the right formula to expose some of their issues. I'm so happy that Mahomes played well. I think that this team, he is so incredibly talented that he took them – far beyond, I thought, what they were capable of. What a year yeah. for the Chiefs. One of the most fun teams I've ever got to watch. Uh, right. I feel bad for those guys and Kelsey and all them. Um, I'm curious what Andy Reid does with Bob Sutton. Uh, um, yeah. I, I feel like it's getting kind of towards the end for him. I'm curious how they attack free agency. I, I'm saying if I'm a corner, I'm calling up the Chiefs and the Colts, and I'm saying let's go win a Super Bowl. because that, I hear that. That's a hold for both right. of those teams. But, I'm with you, dude. That's but, a good thought. There's but, no doubt. Bill Belichick has never poorly prepared for a game. I like. I feel like he's always there. And I think the thing about Andy, and I feel bad for Andy Reid, but one of my friends was asking me why I, I don't see Michael Thomas as one of the elite guys. And I said, if you're a receiver for Sean Payton, Kyle Shanahan, or Sean McVay, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, or or Josh McDaniels, I yeah. knock you down a peg because you're being put in a position that other guys aren't. And yeah, he said, sure. well, what about Andy Reid? And I said, Andy has all the dressing, but when right. push comes to shove in the second half, it's a man-on-man game. Andy, yeah. Andy is trying to put his guys in a position where Sammy Watkins can outrun J.C. Jackson. Exactly right. And yeah, that's he, Andy Reid's right. offense. It's not about it's not about stacks and bunches and creating space through pick plays. At the end of the game, it's I believe that I can put Kelsey on an island with a linebacker and and then he'll make the play. And that's yeah, and that's I, why I don't put Andy Reid's offense at that level. No, I, I agree. It's not on that level. It's, he's the next tier down yeah. level. So I think you're spot on with that assessment. Yeah. At the end of the day, one of the great strengths of Andy Reid is he's a great talent evaluator, mm-hmm. and he gets those guys on his team. And then, yes, he tries to play a little bit more of what we would say matchup football, where he goes, yep, I'm just going to put – I think my guys are better than your guys, yes. and my guy's going to make a play to where, yes, Belichick, McVay, Sean Payton, they're going to go, whoa, no, I'm going to put my guy, who I really like, in a position that really screws with your schematics – and we're going to try to abuse that until you adjust and then do something else. And that's probably where the difference lies between, you know, the guys you mentioned yes. and that next tier of, of offensive coordinators. And my only other grade with Andy is this. Sean Payton takes the shots, man. Big balls Payton. Sean McVay yeah. showed us he's willing to do it too. When you know your defense can't stop the Patriots, I'm keeping Patrick Mahomes on the field for a few of those fourth downs. I am. Yeah, I hear you. And I think that's my one knock on Andy is we know that the way you don't beat the Patriots is going, let's not make mistakes. The way you yep. beat the Patriots is by going, I'm going to go crazy. And Doug Peterson showed that in the Super Bowl. 
that if if he didn't go for that fourth down Philly special, if he didn't go for some of the fakes and, and a little bit more risky, they wouldn't have won that game. It's the only way you beat that team is by doing erratic things. You know, you got to attack. You got to do what they do. They keep the pressure on you all game long. They never let you die down. Oh, it's fourth and one. We're going to keep our team offense out there. Then we're going to run our def- you know, run our punt team out there. Where you know, luckily New England called a timeout. The Chiefs had twelve players on the field. If you remember that, you remember yeah. that early in the game. That went on. You know, the New England ended up calling timeout, oh. but the damn Chiefs messed that up. But that Hold just shows on. you the pressure that they put on you throughout the game is enormous. And this is my last thing from this game that I would say, where I think this is a last vital mistake, and it started as the first thing in the game. And I think I saw said this on the podcast last week. If not, I said it some other places where I thought Kansas City made a horrible mistake by not receiving the ball to start the game. They won the coin toss. I would have played and gone, this is our best unit. I'm not going to let Tom Brady control and, the ball and company for nine minutes. Exactly. Drive the ball down the field, take all the energy out of the stadium, and now put the pressure on my young quarterback to have to answer that right from get-go. Yeah. I would have received the ball and said, no, you're going to have to deal with Mahomes' magic right off the bat and see if we can go down and score and dictate a game that can be played the way the Chiefs wanted to play. But that game was always on Patriots' terms it was. until very late where it became a little bit of a shootout. Think about this. First drive was 15 plays, 80 yards, 8 minutes and 5 seconds, touchdown. That right. second drive that they got at the yeah. 44, even though it ended in an interception, 11 plays, 43 yards, and that play, that took 6 minutes. So yeah, they took they took 14 minutes. They took nearly a quarter in their first two possessions. Right. That's and and the Chiefs had the ball for two minutes, and it was on their terms the entire time. I completely agree. The only thing I'm going to say is, for the Chiefs' interception to get called back by that blatant oh. D Ford offsides. If it's a referee thing, if it's a missed field goal, it feels like that. But for a guy to be lined up. That offsides after he's had such a phenomenal year to negate that interception, which I feel like would have given the Chiefs the win. Yeah, no, I think that would have, that would have been it. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about that. You know, and when I watched it in real time, I saw that he was offsides, and when I watched it in real time, I thought, huh. You know, I, I kind of gave Brady the benefit of the doubt. And I was like, I think Brady knew that the flag was thrown, but the you more I so. watched that play. I don't think he saw that flag. He threw an errant throw to his right, and, of course, it was high and got tipped in the air and intercepted. So, hey, uh, oh, even and, the uh, all-time greats need a little luck every now and then. Uh, and uh, let's be honest, too. When Chris Jones came around and smacked his shoulder and they called a roughing the passer on second and seven at their own 28, giving them yeah. the first down, that was crazy. That, that was, was a crazy. bad call, there's, too. There's no doubt about it. Well, especially when – Mahomes was hit a very similar uh, way right earlier in the game. And it hit him in the face And they mask. didn't call the flag, right. But, hey, I, I always will say this. Uh, I, I do feel like the referees just watch their body mannerisms. When Drew Brees or, or Tom Brady get hit, they literally rush to them to make sure that they're okay when they're on the ground. <laughs> when the Mahomes and Goffs got hit, it's just like, oh, well, you're young, deal with it. But it's literally like I feel like sometimes the referees are like, oh, let me lay your head on the ground, Drew. Don't don't hit your head. Let me lay you. Oh, oh, Tommy, are you okay? Like it does look that way on TV for a guy who just loves football and watches it like I do, and I pay attention to those little things. 
where there's like true concern every time those two get hurt compared to mm-hmm. I see other guys where they don't seem to care as much. So the stories that we're going to hear a lot over the next two weeks, these are my Lefko PR predictions. Uh, we're going to hear all about the 2001 Super Bowl uh, that launched the Patriots dynasty. It's a rematch of that game. It's going to be the battle of coaches between Belichick and Sean McVay. Could he? Right. This is when we deem Sean McVay the guy that is this a passing of the torch when I don't think Belichick's going to be done for five, ten years, frankly. Um, and I think that it's going to be, I think a, a storyline's going to come out is how do they take advantage of Marcus Peters uh, and his track. Trash talking, I think, will be legendary on the Monday night uh, of all the media and all that stuff. Right. (laughs) You know, Jared Goff and Tom Brady, both California kids, will be a storyline. The health of Todd Gurley over the next two weeks will be really big. Um, And then I think the fact that we're going to hear from Brian Flores for the first time before he goes down to Miami will be very interesting. Uh, I think it's a very good matchup. It's two coaches that I think are going to spend the two weeks diving in. Um, but when I heard that the opening line was Rams minus one, I I literally almost wanted to call and go, I'm going to put 5,000 on the Patriots plus one. Like, Wait, you're saying the, the Patriots? I thought the Patriots were slight favorites. No, they're underdogs? I'm going to check right now. Uh, When I heard it first came out, it was Rams, but I'm just going to go to Vegas Insider and see what they got. Let me just check really quick. Um, I think I'll be interested in the matchup overall. Just my first base thought is I worry about – Hold it started off – apparently it started off as a pick and now it's Patriots minus two and a half. So money, 86% of money right now, according to Bet Online, 86% went on the Patriots. Yeah, it, it, hey, listen, I expect it to be an awesome game. And the over-under over is 58, which would be beautiful. Right, right. Yeah, it's, uh, this is going to be a good one. I, I, you know, I have no problem saying that, of course, these were two of the four best teams in football. And, yeah. Uh, I think down the stretch, these were the two best teams. You know, I understand the Saints was debatable, certainly. But I think uh, New England clearly showed that they were the best team in the AFC uh, and, you know, just a special player like Mahomes made the game a lot closer than, than I think a lot of other quarterbacks would have made it. One last non-playoff Super Bowl thing just to end is this Carson Wentz Eagles stuff. I just want to touch right. on it because this is my squad. Uh, a few – I read the articles, in uh, the, the big article in the Philly Voice – uh, where they talked to about, it said, a half a dozen players on the team uh, that didn't want to be named and a bunch of people in the organization that had a number of complaints about Carson Wentz, uh, mainly saying that while he's incredibly hardworking and determined and intelligent, he is selfish, uncompromising, egotistical, and someone that plays favorites and doesn't want to be questioned. I read the right. entire article. It said how last year they had DeFilippo and Reich that would rein him in, um, and that the big issue with the offense was not the fact that they had all the injuries and all that stuff and they lost Reich and DeFilippo, but it was that Carson Wentz feels the need to improvise and doesn't just want to run the offense. 
And these have been things that we've heard a lot with Nick Foles, that he just wants to run the offense, where Wentz believes he's better than Foles. And because he believes he's better, that he should be doing more than just running base training camp offense. In terms of favorites, the entire team, apparently, well, from those guys, it seems like Jordan Matthews is back because he's friends with Carson Wentz. And the reason Zach Ertz had all those catches, breaking the all-time record, is because Wentz would keep the ball more often than not on the running plays and throw the check down to Ertz. And then that apparently upset the offensive line, the running backs, and there was even a blow up around December in which one of the, when the team was breaking down, one of a, a quote, senior pass catcher, which I'm going to guess is Alshon, but I'm not going to say, was asked to say, what is accountability? And he responded, nothing. So I'm just going to take my left go two cents here. When Nick Foles came out with those comments that I applauded, saying that the key of a quarterback is to not feel above the team and that you should be able to go to any offense and defensive player and listen and feel that, I'm seeing the message now in what Nick Foles was saying. To me, that that quote rings as a, a note to Carson Wentz. Yeah. And the thing is, is... Carson Wentz has been built up to be amazing, and I believe he's super talented. <coughs> Excuse me. Do I do I get upset that it's unnamed players? Of course. But it's clearly a message that I, I think can ring true. There were times sure. where I felt like he was over-targeting Zach Ertz. I could right. see how... <coughs> I asked this question, why is Alshon all of a sudden getting the ball? And, right. And... We've seen this. There were stages in Russell Wilson's career where he was trying to do too much. We've seen it a little bit in Dak's career. When you are in Cam Newton's career 100%, when you're a big athletic guy and there are highlights of you that exist on the internet of you breaking 300-pound sacks and making plays and that you get rewarded and applauded in the media for going above and beyond, you don't want to take the check down. But look what happens when Nick did. I believe that there's validity to this story, and I think the interesting thing now for Carson Wentz is going to be, you know, how does he he handle it? But as an Eagles fan, I'm glad this is getting out because this is the kind of story that I think makes you go and look in the mirror and makes you check your email. I think this is a good thing. I do too. I think it's a good thing too. It's just it's going to air laundry. It's going to make Carson Wentz maybe you know self evaluate a little bit and and maybe take some of these things into account. You know, I think your your take on like maybe Nick Foles was kind of speaking to that. I think that's uh, you know a good job by you connecting the tea leaves, right? As we say. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I you know there there obviously was some things there that were troubling. Just as fact as. You know, yeah, hey, we talked about the offense seemed different with Nick Foles. Uh, it was a little bit more traditional. It did bother me how much Carson Wentz was always checking at the line of scrimmage mm. and, and doing things like that where I wanted to be like, what? can we just get up to the line of scrimmage and call a play sometimes? Does it always have to be like, i got to get us into the exact perfect yeah. play. Oh, this is the exact perfect play for a two-yard gain. Like, and we, no, just don't. we also yeah. would say uh, it's annoying how it seems like the team is trying more. But also, if I'm a pass catcher or an offensive lineman, I'm going to try more when I know that you're running the plays that are designed. 
You know, like yeah. all of a sudden, Alshon and, and all these guys are going, I might get the ball this time. The offensive yeah. linemen are going, he's going to hand it off. We're not just going to we're not gonna Wench, watch Wentz roll around for one or two yard loss. So it, it all makes sense. And I think that it's... It's the development of a young quarterback, but I also think that Wentz is a good enough person that I don't think he's going to fight this. I think he's going to learn from it. I hope so. I mean, Fletcher Cox and Brandon Brooks have come out defiantly yes. and basically said no to a lot of this stuff. So, hey, listen, this is also two, uh, just two things, and I'm done with this just as far as my points. One would be the best Eagles team I still ever saw was the one with Carson Wentz at a quarterback when he was on his way to winning the NFL MVP. And he was so, running the offense back then, Sims. Yes, he certainly was. Now, the other problems, too, this is what happens when you're the second pick of the draft. No doubt. Everybody is kissing your ass all the time. No and this doubt. is where organizations bite themselves in the ass with this kind of crap. Because it's always like, oh, oh, good check, Carson. Yes. Good check. And, oh, oh, Carson, yeah, oh, yeah, no, you're, you're never wrong, Carson. That's what happens because he's their baby, right? That's how you have to almost look at it. They traded so much for him. They've hitched their wagon to Carson Wentz as our franchise quarterback. And a lot of these cases, I've seen it happen with other players that were on my team that got drafted in, you know, high in rounds or whatever it may be, where, yes, accountability starts to get thrown by the side because – oh, he's talented, and he was our guy, and we drafted him, and now we're not going to micromanage him like we do everybody else. And that's where the rest of the team sees it, and that it pisses them off. Of and then course. they start to go, you know, so those are the issues I think we're seeing kind of boil to the top here, and uh, hopefully Carson Wentz does fix it. That was You said you had two things. Uh, well, I meant to say the two things was that he was awesome. That was the best team that I ever saw, oh, okay. and that, that he was uh, second pick of the draft. It's incredible. Tom Brady, the only quarterback who didn't get sacked yesterday, he didn't get sacked last week against the Chargers, Dante Scarnecchia, the Patriots, that machine going forward, the Rams with their high-priced corners, defensive linemen, big free agent trades at wide receiver, stud at running back, an offensive mastermind in Sean McVay. It's going to be super, super great. I'm very excited about the game. Wednesday, we're going to do our film breakdown where Sims is going to watch the game. He's only got two so those game films are going to be super in-depth we'll do our final bet which i believe you've retaken the lead because of that one game uh i might petition to just get whoever you pick the other guy i'm going to pick uh, but that'll be next week um and then again next week email us sims and at gmail.com there it's packed but i would not say don't let that discourage you Email Josh. We're going to have drink tickets for people, I believe. We're going to have big-name guests. Some of the names that I'm already hearing, Sims, and I I, I, I can't say anything because Josh is telling me I can't. But right. all-timers. Like, I know. And, and I'm letting everyone know this. I'm not being Johnny Reporter this week. This isn't. We, we, this is not like it was last year, where we'd get guests and we'd talk for eight minutes. We are. We are going to be able to get these guys and just have a great time. And I'm. I'm super pumped about it, man. Yeah, me too, man. It should be. It sounds like we got a great setup, so it should be a good week. Yeah. All right. Four Sims. Peace out, homies. For Fendrick. Good evening, everybody. And for the LEFKOE. Good evening, everybody. And for the LEFKOE. Man. We will holla, holla, holla at you later. Man, I can't believe we have one game left. Wild. It's sad. I know. <laughs> oh, I gotta watch basketball. Yeah, exactly. See you, bud.
See you, dude. Have a good day.